Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up? Welcome to Half Street High Heat, where we have plenty of baseball knowledge, which subsequently makes us overqualified to apply for the Mets analytics department. <laughs> I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nationals Ace. And with me on this program, as always, unless she falls asleep, of course, is Amanda at AWhite7877. And with me until the day I die is Ryan at We Are All Shack. And be sure to follow the show at Half Street High Heat. What's going on, guys? It was one time. I fell asleep one time. We've recorded 170 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all it's all it takes it only only takes one time i mean how do you think stories and nicknames are created right and in my defense it was like 10 o'clock which is later than we usually record and we had just done the daylight savings time thing so it was really 11 o'clock as far as my body i don't want to hear it because <laughs> had you been awake and actually done your job you would have known that i was coming off of a three-hour time difference from california and that's daylight brutal. savings time which by the way you know, sh- definitely should be outlawed. I don't know whose platform that was. Definitely should be outlawed. Um, but oh, I wait, still wait. showed up for work. Wait, wait, wait. So daylight savings time should be outlawed as it is, or we should always have it like it is now, or we should always have it on standard the daylight time. time. I Not could really time. care less. Just I just stop don't, changing. Yeah, <laughs> don't change it on me. Just pick a lane for Christ. I am a creature of habit. Don't change it on me. Yeah. If I had it my way, the entire world would just be the same time. <laughs> don't don't care if you have to work. live in the dark. I was born in the dark. I don't care. Molded don't by care. it. <laughs> I hadn't seen the light till I was already a man. And by then it was nothing to be but blinding. Oh, sorry. I'm gonna mute yeah, turn that off. Amanda, you're just like causing problems. I don't think that was that big of a problem. i mean speaking of problems ryan was a freaking problem on thursday night amanda how you uh taking that you know ass whooping the other night yeah i'm I'm pretty much okay with it (laughs) uh, i really am i'm fine um we all know that ryan is like a baseball savant with all of his knowledge of the things that he likes to say baseball savant savant yeah well that's fine i can i I prefer i prefer the term encyclopedia (laughs) encyclopedia (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. God, what a no, reference. I can take I that it. ass whooping in and live with it because I told you when we, for you first said we're going to do trivia and I was like, oh, I'm about to get my ass whooped. That was fully expected. I mean, I, I don't know who's going to be the second worst at trivia. Uh, I mean, that's going to remain to be seen once we have everyone on, but we'll, we'll try to like <laughs> have it somewhat even next time. Or maybe yeah, I hey, just I like that, uh... tailor your questions very easily. And if you miss, then it's just like an absolute layup slam dunk for your opponent. Yeah, there you go. I would I would have taken that. Some layups would have been welcome. Well, in my defense, as a you know, question writer, content creator, I just didn't know you were gonna be that bad at trivia. Yeah, well, talk <laughs> you're talking a lot of shit for someone who was really bad at question writing. So I'm just gonna <laughs> And I literally had the answers in some of the questions and you still got them wrong. So what does that say about you? Well, what does it say about you that I the first one I got right, you told me it was wrong because you flipped <laughs> the answers on the two. So you know what I'm just saying, I don't think you, Ryan, talk your shit. You, Nick, I don't think you need to be doing it. Nah, you know. Because I'm not actively participating, I have to uh, shit talk where shit talking presents itself. Cheap seats, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had great seats last night for Caps Peng. Oh, uh, I'm so jealous that you were there. Yeah, it was. uh, I was gonna say Pengs. I was like, and well, no, that that doesn't work. But yeah, it it was awesome. We call them the Pengus. The The what? The Pengus. Penguins. Penguins. Hell is that? Pingu. What the? What is that? It's an. It's a cartoon character who's a penguin. No, okay. I've lost interest. Ryan, how you doing? Doing swell, you know, coming off coming off a fresh victory. Um, that was a nice little warm up. It was a good practice round, Amanda. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what we'll see what Allison can do. Well, yeah, that's Thursday. that's yeah, you that's got an Ivy League matchup. I yeah. that's that's true. I, uh, I got going against Ivy League. I have two degrees. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be great. You know, I actually have like seven degrees, but I'm doing well. Um I went to the Washington football game on Sunday. It was cold. Did you? I did. Um, I wanted to see Tom Brady play. It was really cold, and FedEx Field is really ugly. They really need a new it's stadium. It's a dreadful it's really bad. stadium. Yeah. But the good thing, though, since so many people are like mad at Dan Snyder, no one really goes. So, like, it wasn't that crowded, even though they're playing the Bucks and Tom Brady. So, like, I, I really thought they're gonna have a really crowded game, but like, it wasn't. And I was kind of happy with that because it was cold and it was good vibes. How'd you like the seats? Because you sat like corner end zone, right? Yeah. The annoying part is, so I don't know if anyone watched the game. The game stunk. It was just a lot of field goals. I did not pay to see field goals. I paid to watch touchdowns. Everything was on the other end zone, which kind of stunk. But no, I mean, I I liked it. I didn't have to move my head, which was nice. (laughs) I could just stand there or sit there there and just watch. But no, I mean, I, I liked being down there. I would like everything to been in you know mayans right yeah um, the right one of you the one touchdown pass that heineke had that was in our corner which was nice but literally everything else was in the other corner well that's what got me thinking because i you know i saw your pictures from the game and then obviously i went to the caps game and uh i had season tickets up until this year and uh i was typically in the like 437 or something but decided to spend up it was my first time going to caps pens because usually like I just couldn't go or sold the state season tickets whenever they came into town because, you know, those are a hot commodity. So we mm-hmm. paid up, got, you know, front row, section 217. Wow. It was awesome. Um, but it just got me thinking, like, obviously sitting in different spots at a football game of uh, of the four major sports. The football game's the one where I don't want to sit close. Like, I think if you're first row end zone, like, that's probably 
the only thing I would consider because maybe like a, a player leaps into the sands, especially like if you're in Green Bay or something where the Lambo leaps a thing. But like mm-hmm. otherwise, no, I, I want to sit higher, like farther back, just get a better view. Like hockey, if you're up against the glass, obviously that's really cool. Basketball, you got courtside seats, baseball. I mean, you, you can literally you're on the field and maybe you get a ball or you know signature or something. But football is the one sport where it's like I don't really see that big of a benefit sitting close. But I don't know if you guys have a different opinion. See, I rather sit up high for hockey. Um, oh, me too. Just because, I'm just saying, like, like if you're in the 100, something like, there. You can't really see and everything. I rather see everything develop, but other sports, I take the whole uh, whatever is the best bang for my buck approach. We tried, sure. we tried to go, go through the team, and they're like, the best we could do is uh, section four or something. It was like $195. And I was like, okay, Jeez. guy. Um, went to StubHub, got seats in the 100s. I mean, they're still like 100 some bucks, but like it was a lot cheaper than staying in the 400s 400. for almost 200 bucks. Yeah, no best bang for my bucks my approach and with fedex field in particular to get to the upper level which is like we're you know at any sporting event like well maybe except baseball because the nats fans are uh you know fuddy duddies but uh like 400 levels where all the true fans are and especially with hockey those are the, the fans that actually cheer and whatnot but uh at fedex field you have to walk up the million ramps just to get up there there's no <laughs> elevator or escalator like it's yeah. ramp after ramp after ramp and it's it just awful I don't think FedEx, field FedEx field again. sucks. Yeah, I haven't been in years. We actually used to have season tickets a long time ago, club level. So 200 and we were, have, we were right in the end zone and they were great. I like, I like being up sort of, sort of high. I think football is one where the closer you can get to the field, the cooler it is hockey. I really like sitting up in the 400 at cap one. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're, like you said, the people up there are fun. And, uh, I really do like being able to watch everything develop and being able to like see the line changes and kind of appreciate the whole scene and baseball, I still think is good from up in the high level too, but football being in the 400 level. And I have done it at FedEx field sucks, but everything at FedEx field sucks. This is true. I mean, my favorite, my favorite seats at, uh, Nats park are what, like two thirty-eight row a, which is, uh, above the Nats bullpen overhang first row oh that's good i, I like mean that area the, the, too. by far my favorite which ironically was i went to the inaugural game at nats park and those were where our seats were and i mean i guess that's the point where i just fell in love with it but the rest of the stadium stinks like i i saw a couple of nats fans kind of take exception to me kind of taking a, a cheap shot at, at nats park when ryan was talking about fedex field uh but nats park stinks like go to another baseball field and you'll understand how bad nats park stinks yeah, I think Nats Park is mediocre. I wouldn't say it stinks. FedEx. Well, stinks. I mean, comparatively, for as yeah. new as it is, it should be a lot better. Yeah, I that I will. That's my I will grant you. But again, I don't think it's terrible. I just don't think it's it's not in the top tier for sure. But it's not even still, in the second tier. It's still, my happy place. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the day you go. <laughs> it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. But speaking of uh, a not so happy place, uh, the New York Mets. Uh, I mean, they have had the most trouble I've ever seen of any team ever to hire a high level executive position. Uh, but it seems like there's some traction. Finally, they offered, uh, their GM spot to former angels GM, Billy Epler. Uh, it sounds like there is definite traction there, but last I heard this was ongoing. I mean, even 20 minutes ago, Heyman was getting, giving updates, but it sounds like he's Epler that is is going back home to consider it. 
So, so I as I of can't, can't wait for Wednesday when he turns it down. But Ryan as of so one good. minute ago, as of one minute ago, there John Heyman said the local nightmare is over. Mets get their man. But the funniest part about this is the Mets have not made a seek, um, have not hid the fact that they want David Stearns from Milwaukee. They've made it very, very clear. He's that the guy is, who turned it down initially, right? Yeah. And they have not stopped talking about it. I know. Um, that they want Stearns when his contract is up. And it's funny they went to Epler. He's he's had some issues in, with the Angels. Um, a lot of swing and misses on the pitches, pitchers. Um, he does have experience with New York, though, which I, I guess they care about. I mean, New York media is ruthless. But the point of this is, a lot of New York media members have not been saying the word, but they're pointing out the fact that Epler is best friends with Stearns. And so a lot oh, of wow. people I didn't in, know that. in New York are pointing out the fact that they're going to start building Stearns' front office. His contract is either up in one or two years. No one's really 100% certain about that. But Andy Martini, Andy Martino, excuse me, pointed that out and a lot of other media members also that it's important to note that the final two candidates were close with Stearns and a lot of them are basically like they're they're building this for Stearns to take over president baseball operations in two years and I thought that was just really really interesting that is interesting so they didn't get their man they got a man who might bring their man (laughs) but at the same time I almost kind of give them credit for that yeah, if I'm you can kind of if you That's can lay ball. the foundation for you know your guy and wait a year or two, like the Mets, well, no, it's, it's at least tampering. they could be. <laughs> well, it's hampering, but like the Mets, at least in my opinion, are not going to be contenders next year. So you might be two years away, anyways. Like they can obviously get better next year, but new manager who they still haven't hired yet. I mean, new GM, new personnel all throughout the front office yeah you still have a uh, alderson there but he hasn't done anything in his you know two ten years with the mets epler i mean yeah he might have experience with pitchers but the angels are like one of the most notorious underachieving franchises like in, in recent history so which also so just mets, makes it so a perfect fit for, yes. yeah i was gonna say perfect <laughs> fit for the mets there he had a few good things. I mean, he he was the one who managed to get Shohei Otani to to come there when you know there were a lot of teams in that mix. And I also those- the Shohei thing is is obviously a, a you know something you can hang your hat on, but that was uh, in large part. Oh, well, I have to imagine. First of all, Mike Trout is the only selling point anyone needs. Los <laughs> Angeles too, but he he didn't want to go to an East Coast team and. I mean, it sounds stupid because they're technically in Los Angeles, but he didn't want a big market either. And the Angels will forever be overshadowed by the Dodgers. So it's like his market kind of took shape, you know, because it was so limited. He wasn't going to be anywhere in the middle of the country. He wasn't going to go East Coast. So it was pretty much West Coast. And who was going to pay for him? Like the Angels, to their credit, have never shied away from paying people. They just usually pay the wrong people. But well, that brings me to my right. next point, which was Rendon, which was a big get. Obviously, that has not worked out very well so far for them. Right. But, you know, sometimes you got to overpay when you want a star. And I think Don't Rendon, I know it. Jesus. when Rendon was, you know, coming off, coming off of a World Series win, and he was one of the biggest free agent acquisitions that that offseason. So I, I still think he's got a few things to hang his hat on. He definitely has some swings and misses, as you pointed out, Ryan, on, on pitching. But, you know, he's got a few things. But the Angels do, as you said, Nick, chronically underachieve. So 
you know, it's kind of a question of, do you blame him for that? And I, I tend to think that the GM is the person who ought to take the most blame when a team chronically underachieves. At Rizzo. Wow. Way to make that personal. I mean, <laughs> I guess like we just won a world series, so it doesn't really hit the same, but no, like, it doesn't. L- l- let's see something happen. Uh, but speaking, imagine of... how salty you'd be though if like we hadn't won a World Series, like if, oh, that, yeah. if we got knocked out in that wild card game and, and that World Series never happened. Like I know. We'd all but be speaking so, so of salty. things happening within the Nats uh, front office, they did hire a new farm director. Uh, what's it? is it? Is it Dijon Watson or is it just John? Wat- like what is is his name? Dijon. Dijon. How do you say it? Dijon Watson. Oh, cool. all right. Yeah. I. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was being punked at first and someone was trying to like say it's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> not that that would be like, you know, <laughs> a great joke considering what's going on with him. But I was like, did John, like, is this, am, am I being pranked right now? So I didn't want to be an idiot and say that on the podcast, <laughs> but although, you know, explaining it doesn't do me um, much any other favors, but they got their new farm director. Uh, guess what? Another internal hire. Um, so do we have any optimism about so they've his official he's the nationals farm director but his official title is the director of player development within a organization and within the front office president of baseball operations and gm are the most important positions but literally right underneath that are director of player development and your farm director those are absolutely crucial to your franchise especially in recent years with the drive and analytics and teams starting to realize what exactly they can get out of prospects and developing their futures. There's been a big emphasis on those positions. They are absolutely crucial. Deshaun Watson has a very interesting background. Um, He has, he was the special assistant to GM Mike Rizzo. He's been here since 2017. Before that, he was in Arizona with the Diamondbacks. He oversaw basically. (laughs) He basically oversaw their entire international signings department and it didn't go very well. He was very adamant signing a couple of guys who were complete bust and that led to him getting fired. Before that, he was with the Dodgers from 2005 to 2014, which people were like, awesome. That brings in a lot of excitement. There was a fundamental shift in philosophy when he left. And in 2015, say, on, when the Dodgers that, were underperforming. <laughs> yeah. That is when the Dodgers had their fundamental shift and began pumping out their young talent. Um, There's just like the, the Dodgers weren't who they are now when he was there. Um, People are talking about Corey Seager was drafted when he was there. Um, What's his name? Cody Bellinger was drafted when he was there. Corey Seager, you can give. He was successful in his first year up when he came. And that was Watson's last year. Bellinger's good year was about five years later. A lot of the guys that who are having success in the Dodgers now were having it four or five years after he left the organization. If you go back further, um, D. Gordon never really solidified himself on the Dodgers. Kind of did stuff in Miami. Jock Peterson never truly reached his full potential. Nathan Eovaldi never got traction with the Dodgers. There are names there, and there are a couple of guys that he really hit on. But overall, there's just not a lot of excitement coming from this role. I really, really wish they went outside the organization and tried to get someone from one of the quote-unquote smart franchises. Um, It's just like it's another internal hire. Your franchise has really struggled with player development and you keep hiring within. It's a little upsetting, but Mike Rizzo got his guy, it appears. 
He's been there with a while. He's been Mike Rizzo's right-hand man, right Rizzo. Mike Rizzo appears to trust them. So it is what it is. Yeah. I wasn't there an interview sometime recently where Rizzo said something about this, this opening and that he wanted to get a, I think he said fresh set of eyes. Well, it's onto the position and it's yeah, that just, that just meant his right-hand man. Right. That's what I'm saying. This has not really fresh. These, these aren't a fresh set of eyes. It's just weird to me that he specifically, he specifically said he wanted a fresh set of eyes and then went into this. It's not surprising. They hired from within. They do this all the time. I'm just surprised. I thought they really were going to try to shake up. There were a lot of changes in the, you know, they took what, who was the guy they moved from um, working in the scouting to being like, I don't know, something in player development, Bob Henley. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> he wasn't in scouting, but you know what I mean? They moved a lot of guys yeah, around. They fired a lot of guys like they they made a lot of changes. I really thought they were going to try to shake up the farm, um, you know, the, the the farm coaching, the farm head office people, and they just aren't. So I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I'm a little there, disappointed. On that note, there was also like, a, I don't know if it was an interview or just like a statement or whatever, but Rizzo was talking about how uh, they've just lost so many people, whether it's like, you know, them being hired elsewhere, or they fired a couple people because of, you know, the, the vaccine mandate that the nationals had, which great idea, by the way. And that wasn't sarcastic. That might've come off sarcastically, but no, I'm glad the Nats did that. Um, so th- they've had a lot of openings and the state of the Nats now is they're going to need player development. Like they they can't always depend on, you know, the, the superstar, panning out or you know the big splash rate signing like for them to get back to relevancy in, in a perennial playoff contender they're gonna need you know good player development and you would think that's where the like amanda you said the fresh set of eyes comes in like someone who's done a rebuild successfully because that's something the nats haven't really done like you know that they had t- periods where they stunk but again we've talked about it plenty when you get Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper back to back years and even Rendon for a third year in a row, like that's just absurd and, and, you know, credit where credit is due, but like that, that almost fell into their lap because of just the, 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 you know, nature of the draft or whatever. So it's like, you need someone with experience who's done that and actually developed those guys because outside of those top, top guys, there hasn't been much player development, especially recently. We've talked about that too. Like Eric Fetty is probably the, the most recent quote unquote success that they've had. And, and you know, mm, that's he, a stretch. Right. And, and they haven't had anything since. And it, it, it's alarming. And, you know, our best prospects now are transplants aside from Kate Cavalli, like they're transplants, Josiah Gray, uh, Kay Ruiz, Riley Adams, like they're, uh, Mason Thompson, like they're all transplants. So it's like, you need someone to oversee that 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 knows what they're doing and not that you know the, these guys aren't qualified that are already with the nats but like you know some some fresh set of eyes that have been there done that would help and so far what i'm seeing from the nats front office none of them really have yeah i think that's a that's a pretty good assessment there i don't know you just you can't look at the nats farm system and the guys they've had depth wise the you know, the guys coming up that are homegrown and, and call it a success and to continue with the same people without even attempting to maybe expand that horizon a little bit seems short-sighted to me. Yeah, for sure. But a couple of other Nats uh, moves and, and notes, this probably going to be the splash of the free agency. So buckle up. Uh, they re-signed Jeffrey Rodriguez, Sean Nolan, and Alberto Baldonado. 
Uh, I mean, all of those, all three of those pitchers saw time in the big leagues this year, which probably isn't saying much considering all the, the holes that came up throughout the year, but they resigned them. They'll probably report to AAA and we'll probably see them again in 2022, but just a little note there. But speaking of free agency, we got, uh, you know, it's kind of a big splash today is a little bit surprising, but the Tigers struck first in free agency. They signed Eduardo Rodriguez to a five-year, $77 million deal. Uh, what were you, uh, your guys' uh, thoughts and reactions to that signing? The Tigers strike first. Um, the big takeaway from this is pitching is expensive. Like mm-hmm. pitching is expensive. Um, he did not play in 2020. He was having some heart issues um, after he had COVID. So he's coming back in 2021 through 157 innings. He had a 474 ERA. He was one of those guys where his ERA was just bad, but all his peripherals were good. Like all of his analytics were pretty good. There was some um, signs in there that said, you know what? This is just an outlier of a season. He's going to be fine. I like it for the Tigers. You know, they go out, they get a guy. He has postseason experience. He's been in Boston um, since 2015. Eats innings. Yeah, he eats innings. Um, he's thrown 137, 129, 203, 157 innings. He made 34 starts in 2019. It's a good move. You know, Tigers are, they're going to be aggressive. They said they want to win. They want to go out and start getting these guys. And it's a good deal. He's going to be one of those dudes who benefits from going to Comerica, you know, he went from pitching in a literal sandbox to a very pitcher friendly ballpark. Um, Nicholas Castellanos did not spare words on how much he hated that ballpark when he was traded to the Cubs. So yeah, he should benefit from that. And those peripherals, which is why he got the contract they did should shine this year. And he should have a pretty decent year for the Tigers. Good move. Yeah. I like it for the Tigers. It sounds like, um, you know, there's rumors about them going after a lot of other, you know, bit medium to big names in free agency. It seems like they finally are going to try to compete. And we've talked a lot on this podcast about how few teams are actually competing, actually trying to win. So I love it to see a team that really hasn't been maybe try to get themselves back in that mix. So I think it's a good move for the Tigers and I'm curious to see what else they get up to. Yeah, definitely does not seem like they're done. They've, uh, I mean, even come out and said they need to address their shortstop position. So you would think they're in play for one of the big names. This is the year to address your shortstop position. (laughs) Right. Uh, I know the Rangers uh, are reportedly ready to to spend money too. I think uh, both Matt, Wyrick, and Ryan have uh, mocked a couple of uh, big name freedoms to the Rangers. So it'll be interesting to see how these, uh, quote unquote, like Boris came out and said, like only what, 16 teams are actively trying to compete. And I would... Well, I guess the Tigers are now actively. I don't know if he considered that, but the the perennial bottom dwellers we've seen in the AL for the past couple of years, it'll be interesting to see which ones actually decide to make moves this year because it is at least positionally not maybe not so much pitcher uh, wise, but pitching wise, it is a deep class, especially for kind of a, a building block as we've talked about with the Nats. But um, in order to sign with the Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez declined his qualifying offer. Chris Taylor, Carlos Correa, Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, Corey Seager, and Marcus Simeon all rejected the qualifying offer. No real surprise there. Uh, the rest, there hasn't been a decision made as of uh, earlier today. Brandon Belt, Freddie Freeman, Rossiel Iglesias, Robbie Ray, Trevor Story, Noah Syndergaard, and Justin Verlander have not yet made a decision. Although, Bob Nightingale reported that you couldn't find a soul who doesn't think Freeman will be returning to the Braves. So, uh, congrats, Freddie Freeman, on getting out of Atlanta. 
and, uh, <laughs> you know, signing elsewhere where you'll actually win. Um, the Braves did sign Manny Pina. Pina, I don't know how to say his last name, but I mean, all minor moves to this point. Uh, Dodgers signed Andrew Heaney. We'll, we'll see what goes on. I, I only bring up the, the low level moves because who knows how much free agency news we get before the CBA expires on December 1st or about two weeks away at this point. So hopefully we get some other splash signings. I, I think there will be a couple more, especially with Rodriguez being the first domino to fall. People will want to sign and get that security before the, the labor stoppage uh, December 1st. And who knows how long that, that might last based on the state of uh, baseball. Um, the Dodgers to go back to them really quick. They are interested in Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray, which the Reds have come out and said they're open to moving, which is wild on both uh, fronts that one, the Reds are tearing it down after their 60 game window in 2020. Um, But two, that the Dodgers still have assets to trade (laughs) for a a major starting pitcher. That's why it's fun to have a deep farm system. Player development matters how deep that farm system has been for years. Like mm-hmm. it's absolutely absurd. So in 2015, they were the third rank farm and then first, second, nine, nine, three, nine. They've had a top 10 farm system since 2015. Exactly. They have been, they have been making a lot of trades and being very active since 2000. They've also been a playoff team since then too. So it's yeah. not even like there's crazy top heavy. Like the Nats have been out young talent, like nobody's business. Like, just find the nerds that they have. They're literally hired to sit and just like freaking work in R all day long, just working all these linear regressions because it's working. Like figure out what they're doing because it's absolutely working with this young talent and they're figuring out because they're getting the most of it for a couple of years. Then they get rid of them and then they suck elsewhere. I don't know. It's an unreal model. Well, it's also annoying to go back to the Nats conversation that you, you don't, poach someone from the Rays or the the Dodgers or the Brewers or someone within a front office that's proven to be, you know, successful at developing players like fresh set of eyes does not mean moving someone to a different position internally. Like no fresh set of eyes means uh, an outside external hire to, for someone with experience. And it just, it's, it's frustrating. It just feels like such a missed opportunity. That's what frustrates me is, is it's, you know, you had a chance here, to you've already done such a big shakeup. You had a chance to let's, let's really go in with those fresh eyes. Let's really have somebody come in here. Who's not from within the organization and look at it and say, Hey, here's what I would do to improve it. Somebody who's done it with another organization who's had a lot more success than the Nats have. And I, I just don't understand why, why they wasted that opportunity. It is very frustrating. Yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, we will see, you know, what other subsequent moves the Nats make because, uh, they they do still have openings within their front office, but I mean, it's not. This any, was a big one. Yeah, this was the one where it's like you would draw significant outside interest and could potentially poach someone. Like no one's going to come to Nats if it's like a lateral move, especially if it's from the Dodgers, Brewers, or Rays. Like, come right. on, why would you? Let's be real. Uh, another <laughs> kind of low to mid level move uh, the Rockies resigned uh, Julius Chassin. Um, I don't know what the Rockies are doing. Like they're, they're re-signing guys, so they're active, but the Rockies also sucked. So they're just keeping the same guys who just didn't, I don't know. I haven't known what the Rockies are doing since they got rid of Arenado. Like, I don't. Even before then, probably. 
Yeah, maybe before then, but it just seems like at some point, like that was that was kind of at you know you were like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And ever since then, you're just like, what in the hell are you guys yeah, doing? That's real head scratching. So, you know, as frustrating as it is to be a Nats fan post uh, World <laughs> could Series, it could always always be worse. Uh, but speaking of making something worse, MLB proposed replacing arbitration with salaries based <laughs> on player war totals. Uh, what a concept and. What massive, massive balls MLB has to bring that to the table during a, a CBA year. Yeah, yeah. it kind of shows how far apart the two sides are right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, a little it bit. Actually, more than anything else, when I saw that come out, I was like, oh my God, we're never having baseball again. No, like, it's <laughs> just like that was just that was so bad. So war part of the war has a formula that like says how much your money value is based on your war. It's literally like nerds who just came up with this formula and like it's a fine formula and everything but it's incredibly flawed and incredibly biased Mm -hmm. um relievers would never get paid whatsoever because war does not like relievers the biggest winners of this would be defensive minded players who are bad offensively so michael taylor like he michael taylor he would get a nice payday because war favors defensive players also people play premium positions war gives you boost it was just ugly and like Cody Bellinger's had a negative war. Like, so does he now owe the Dodgers money? Like, it just, yeah, how's that work? It was just a terrible, terrible idea. And then, like, the fan grass people started getting hate from it. And they're like, we didn't come up with this. Um, it was really bad and kind of just shows how both sides are far apart and the owners kind of aren't really taking it seriously because this is a really, really bad prediction. And yeah, I don't even think it all. was possibly serious. Like they, this was just them dropping a bomb. I think there's no way they could have possibly thought this was a viable suggestion. And I don't know, war is fun. Like war, just like all the baseball stats, there's a lot of nerdy baseball stats that, you know, people like us enjoy talking about on podcasts and, and uh, radio talk shows and that sort of thing. But like the idea of basing the money these guys make off of some, you know, algorithm come up with by some baseball nerds is ridiculous like i, I can't believe they even well that's even the thing like, suggested it the the algorithm isn't even agreed upon like you have f4 you have right. war from baseball like there there's multiple formulas to determine war and i think they specifically said fan graphs war which would be f4 but like again that's it, it means something but it also to like an extent is subjective like the, there's no like tried and true agreed upon formula to determine war and like ryan said it completely discriminates against relievers and relievers have already worked so hard to get paid like you know if you go back 10 years no relievers got paid like not even closer like closers would be the one to get paid because you know teams are just overvaluing the uh, importance of the ninth inning whereas like now you know with analytics and stuff the most important inning might be the sixth inning or the fifth inning or you know whatever might not necessarily be the ninth inning um, so it's like relievers certainly don't want to want, don't want that. And those make up, uh, what close to a third of every MLB roster. Like they're never, they were never going to agree to this. So the fact that MLB is like, oh, you know, what would be a great compromise. Uh, let's do this so we can pay you less. Like what, what are we even doing? I know. And that's why I said it, it's not a serious suggestion. Like, I don't know what the ownership group is thinking with this, like if, if this was just a way to kind of take a shot across the bow before the official, you know, end of the, the CBA, 
but it just doesn't make any sense to me. This is, this is not them making some sort of peace offering. It's exactly the opposite of that. So I'm like, are they spoiling for a fight here? I don't know. It was a weird, weird thing. And I can't figure out what the purpose of it was because there's no chance they know there's no chance that's ever going to happen. So what was the purpose? There must've been one. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, this is all just to say, enjoy the last two weeks of the Major League Baseball Association uh, while it exists because it, it won't for much longer. Um, but there were some awards that came out over the past week. Silver Slugger, Gold Gloves, and Rookie of the Years were all announced uh, just to go through them really quickly. The Silver Slugger award winners for the AL were Vlad Jr., Marcus Semien, Rafael Devers, Andrew Bogarts. Uh, Blue Jays and Red Sox there. Uh, Tiasco Hernandez for another Blue Jay. Cedric Mullins, Aaron Judge, Salvador Perez, and Shohei Otani. And then in the NL, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Fernando Atis, yours truly Juan Soto for his second year in a row. Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Buster Posey, and Max Freed. Any uh, reactions to the uh, Silver Sluggers or kind of just as expected? I don't see anything very surprising in that. I mean, just when as expected, Silver Slugger, they usually get right. It's a fine yeah. award. There's other awards that are just, I don't really put much stock into, but Silver Slugger, great awards all around this year. Yeah, all to just drive uh, Soto's price tag up. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. he did not win. Uh, well, thankfully, in quotation marks, he did not win a gold glove as he was a finalist last year, maybe the year before, I can't remember. Uh, but your gold glove winners for the AL were Yuli Guriel, Marcus Semyon, who won a Silver Slugger and gold glove and will be an MVP finalist. Or I think he, yeah, he's an MVP finalist, right? Yeah, he's going to come in third. Yeah, well, yeah, but like the fact that he did all those in the same season, he will get paid. Uh, Matt Chapman, Carlos Correa, Andrew Penitenti, Michael A. Taylor, Joey Gallo, Sean Murphy, and Dallas Keuchel. And then in the NL, you got Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado for the a millionth year in a row, Brandon Crawford, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Adam Duvall, Jacob Stallings, and Max Freed. Max Freed won Silver Slugger and Gold Glove. Good for him. Uh, any reactions to your gold glove winners? Gold glove is a dumb award. It sucks. <laughs> like it's like it sounds dumb, but gold glove is an offensive award. Like if you look it at is. people's numbers, Derek Jeter. Well, yeah, like Derek Jeter, uh, Rafael Palmero won gold glove playing 11 games at first base. Like the coaches vote for it. They don't see everything. Like it's literally an offensive award. There's the ones that like Michael Taylor can't hit, but they do deserve that. Um, Nolan Arenado wasn't even the best defensive third base in the NL this year. Won it. Key Brian Hayes had like twice as many defensive runs saved and not in like a hundred less innings than him. It's just, there's stuff like that every single year. And I don't know why people put so much into this award because it's such a flawed award every single year. Yeah. I think you're right. What you said before, Ryan, about with the silver slugger, they, they generally get it right with the gold glove. I just find every year there's a couple where you just like scratching your head going seriously. I didn't even realize in 2018, Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman were co-gold glove winners. Like the point of a gold glove winner is to definitively put one over the other. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big proponent of this particular award. Nope. But, you know, what else are we going to talk about? Um, <laughs> it's the off then, season. You got to talk about something. <laughs> tonight, uh, being Monday night, the night we're recording, the Rookie of the Years were announced. Really no surprise whatsoever. Uh Randy Rosarena won it in the AL. There was some discussion whether Wander, Wander Franco would, uh, you know, sneak in, but Rosarena being on the same team and playing the whole season, as opposed to Franco just playing a portion of the season, Rosarena came out on top. And then Jonathan India was, you know, really the runaway favorite uh, for the Reds in the NL. 
I mean, no real surprise there. It was kind of just a easy layup uh, for that. But tomorrow night or the release day, if you're listening to this on release day, manager of the year, and then it will be Cy Young on Wednesday night and MVP on Thursday night. So be sure to check out that. But I wanted to bring up, I mean, you talked about gold gloves being a stupid award, but there is a gold glover I did want to discuss. And no, 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 it's not. Don't jack my segment. Um, there is a, a, you know, a gold glove winner, platinum, gold, platinum glove winner that I wanted to talk about. And that is Matt Chapman. So the A's, I, I missed the episode when we talked or when you guys talked about Bob Melvin, which is one of the most, I, I don't know how that wasn't a bigger story because it feels like it was, you know, it, it took place on Twitter for an hour and then just got forgot about. The fact that the A's gave away their manager for nothing, uh, I don't know. Um, And then that kind of hinted at them significantly reducing payroll, which the whole point of the A's, you know, was they were already cheap to begin with. So the fact that they're lowering it even more is just how is anyone letting them get away with this? But anyways, they are in talks to move Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman, you know, I he's – extremely extremely good defensively i think offensively he gets a little overrated but i mean that defense is otherworldly so it doesn't really matter all that much would you entertain a a a trade for matt chapman i mean he's under contract for a few more years that's a truly a cornerstone player because even if his offensive numbers are down his defense is again otherworldly do you think the Nats should, you know, be on the phone uh, with the ACE? They have done business together in the past. Do you think this is an opportunity for the Nats to strike while the getting's good? So this is a interesting question. Um, he has two more years of arbitration left. Sorry, he's uh, making 9.5 in 22. And then he has his last year of arbitration in 23. His value will never be lower than it is right now. Right. Like if the A's trade him. He was hurt last year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just bad last year. Like he played 151 games, had some injuries. Oh, this was he worth- this Sorry, was- I didn't mean to interrupt you. You would have been hurt the year before. Sorry, go ahead. I'll stop interrupting. Um, so he played 151 games. It was by far and away his worst offensive season of his career. Um, his OPS was over 100 points lower than it normally is. He had a 716 OPS. Is career low before that was 812 he struck out 202 times um his career high before that was 147 times he only had 72 rbis rbis are team stat don't really care about it was on base was way down as well and his batting average was almost below 200 the offense just disappeared he struggled hitting fastballs which is a pretty big issue he's also in the pitcher's park that's whatever his OPS plus was hundred said he was just a league average hitter, got some power boost there with his 27 home runs. The concerning thing as well is his defense in 2018. He had 23 defensive runs saved. And then he went 28 in 2019, 2020 only had two, but that's 300 innings. Don't really care. 2021. He only had 10 defensive runs saved. That is incredibly low for him. And then his, 
ultimate zone rating, which basically takes, in fact, your zone rating and runs above average. That takes in your arm strength, um, your range, how many errors you make through 150 games was four less than his career low before. So I don't know what happened, but Matt Chapman forgot how to play baseball last year. His defense was bad. Well, bad for him. 10 DRS is still fine, but that's very bad for him. His offense just completely disappeared. So his value would never be lower. What's that screen for a rebuilding team? Time to strike. Did not say with Josh Bell, his value was literally never lower. Any trade for Josh Bell, he had a fine year. You, it, It'll come down to if you want to give up prospect capital, I don't think it'll cost too much. They might just because the defense is still solid. But if you can get him for a good price, if he bounces back, Hell yeah. If he doesn't bounce back, you're paying a guy 18 million over two years. And that's not the worst thing in the world. No, with, it definitely isn't. <laughs> with Matt Chapman, just to, the, this might be part of the reason, but uh, what I was thinking, he was injured to the end of the 2020 season. He had right <laughs> hip surgery. Uh, I I don't follow the A's all that often, so I can't really like say that was the reason. But, you know, for not having finished 2020 and the way 2020 unfolded with the, you know, stop and start and, and whatnot. You know, maybe it just took him a little longer to get back. I, I would put money on him having a better season overall, not just defensively, not just offensively. I would bet money on him having a better season overall, regardless of where he plays next year. Because I, I like Ryan said, I think this was just a, you know, just a down year. Players have these years and, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to regress towards the mean. Well, he's going to in this case, progress towards the mean because he's proven to be a better defender and at least slightly better offensively than he was in 2021. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, listening to those stats, you just talked about Ryan, it, what that says to me is that he underperformed. No, you guys don't forget how to play baseball. I think I would expect him to be better. Patrick Corbin. <laughs> right. Let's hope that he remembers too. But I think that uh, that Matt Chapman's going to remember how to play baseball. And I think it'd be a great move for the Nats if they can figure out a way to get him. I don't know what he would cost. It's hard to kind of figure his value right now, but as you both pointed out, it's probably never been lower. And um, this is a great move for a team in a position like the Nats are now, where if he has a great year, fantastic. Um, if, you know, if you're doing well, he's a great piece to have. If you're not, he's, you know, he, he has a decent year. You could maybe flip him at the deadline. And uh, he's, he's the kind of piece I think is exactly what the Nats should be, should be going after. Be a lot cheaper than Chris Bryant that but it also fits their timeline like you have him guaranteed for two years and you have Juan Soto for three years and you know that that's enough time to get a good evaluation of where your team's heading you know what your players are doing and where your money needs to go and has gone so I it just fits their timeline like I, I would love Chris Bryant don't get me wrong like shoot trade for work Chris or Matt Chapman and sign Chris Bryant, put him in center field, left field. I don't care. Like that would be awesome. But it, it you know, it does uh, make somewhat uh, of sense for the Nats to, you know, trade for a guy like Chapman, have two years. And if Juan Soto walks, which, uh, you know, obviously we don't want to happen, but is a possibility if he walks, at least you get to have the opportunity to press a firm reset after he walks. Like if you have Chris Bryant, right for say six years well after Juan Soto walks you still have Chris Bryant you're paying him you know 
X amount of dollars for three more years after Juan Soto walks and you got to replace Juan Soto, which is nearly impossible to do. So I think for the Nats now, trading for a guy like Chapman makes a ton of sense for multiple reasons that we've outlined. But I think the fact that it kind of fits their sort of window right here, not necessarily for contention, but just for trying to get back or, you know, trying to compete. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, they have the history there, Rizzo and Billy Bean and the, the uh, ace front office. The, the, they have the history. They've done multiple deals. The, the geo deal, the Sean Doolittle, uh, Ryan Madsen deal. They've done, I think there's been a, even a couple low level ones too. So they have their rapport. Um, I, I don't know prospect value at all. I could care less about prospect value. But, I mean, Rutledge and Keyboom as a start, would anyone yep. really miss those two? Yeah, I'll pack that back to myself. Right. Like, I mean, Rutledge, Keyboom, and maybe like a, a mid-level pitcher who will never get past like AAA. Like, I, I feel like that would be enticing because, I mean, Rutledge has upside. Keyboom, he's going to be a reclamation project for somebody, whether it be while he's still in his rookie deal or after he's done with his deal. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like that that would be enticing for the A's yeah. who are trying to just cut payroll. They don't really care about maximizing value. They're just trying to cut payroll right now. And they also have a good history of reclamation projects with Nats pitchers. So this is true. This is true. So there you go. I mean, I don't it seems know. Seems like a done deal. Make the phone call, Rizzo. I I I I, I want the Nats to to do this, and it's I, I like Chapman. I, I uh. I just have the opinion of, of him that he's not necessarily like a top three, top, oh, well, top five. I have to think. I don't think he was in that top three, top four category for third base. I don't think he was ever quite that high, but he was still very good. And I would be perfectly fine if that's what the Nats wanted to do, because a couple of times we thought the Nats would, you know, pay somebody. And then they ended up trading for somebody like Josh Bell, right? Like Ryan pointed out. So yep. th- this might and be they're a move. probably more likely to do this with a trade than to make a big splash in free agency, given their rebuild situation. I'm fine with that. Just do something. Action yeah. is better than inaction. Just do something. Yep. But, uh, you know, th- this got my uh, the, the brain juices flowing and I want to do an activity with you guys if you are uh, oh. uh, up for uh, humoring me. Let's do it. All right. Bet. We're just going to do some uh, would you rather. But I, I try to give you some uh, some tough ones. View this like the Nats, okay? So you have okay. to think about who better fits your team, what the contract might be to get this guy, what the package might be to trade for this guy. You know, there might be they might be equal. One might cost more than the other. But you got to think like you're part of the Nats front office, all right? All right. So this is not just like in a vacuum, 1v1, if you're starting a franchise or anything. This is specifically for the Nats. So we'll start off with a couple of free agents. Would you rather Trevor Story or Javi Baez? That's a hard uh, one. Story, Baez is the most overrated player in baseball. <laughs> I figured that's where really? you're going. Yes. Like, he doesn't do anything like he just makes ordinary plays look flashy like makes them look flashy <laughs> he does and do like, that that's all he does and he strikes out every other at bat yeah i'm just looking at stats here real quick yeah i feel that's like stories like, like a few... oh whatever <laughs> um anyway i don't know does story more research just feels for like a would a... you rather question than trivia 
What was it? How are you supposed to research for trivia when you don't know what the questions are going to brush be? up on your Nats history? I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, it's the pressure. I can't do it in the, the time. The, the time limits are too much. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bias had a good season, um, but you know, I think you have a great point, Ryan, about, you know, he does, he, everything looks really flashy, even if it's not really that flashy a play. Story is a really solid, like, you know what you're getting with Trevor Story. I feel like maybe Bias, it feels like, it feels more of a, a crapshoot a little bit. Like you're not really sure what you're going to get from him. So I guess if I had to choose one or the other, I would go with story. Okay. Okay. Uh, see if you can disprove the cores effect for the millionth yeah. time uh, from right. the millionth player. Uh, but this one, let's do a trade. And one has been widely rumored in, in trade packages for since the deadline, really. The other, I haven't heard in trade packages, but could be an interesting option should the Diamondbacks choose to move him. Brian Reynolds or Cattell Marte? Brian Reynolds, most underrated player in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I like the declarative statements from you. I know. I do like the, uh, the, the confidence, just most overrated, most underrated, just like that. Um, yeah, I think I'd go Cattell Marte. Any reason or just to be different? Well, yeah, I don't want to agree with Ryan too much, certainly, but you know, he, he didn't, I don't know what his war was this past year. I know that he's, you know, he's had a lot of really good seasons. I don't feel like maybe this season was really his very best. Um, Oh, what's his, I'm just look up here. What was his uh, batting average this year? Uh, that's that's so. the stat you're going go well, no, to go. <laughs> I'm just looking at the, I'm looking at the, the slash line here, 318 on base percentage, 377 slugging 532, 909 OPS. I mean, that's, they're solid numbers. I feel like the Nats don't need to be flashy right now. You know, I think like I said, that same thing with story, like I want solid guys, you know, you're going to get solid production from, and I think Cattell Marte is somebody you can count on to give you good production. I don't know what that would cost. Like you said, this would be a trade. Like what would the Nats have to give up to get Marte? Yeah. I don't know prospect value. So that, that's yeah, kind of me just... either. That's like, you need to do a lot more research to kind of I would answer ab- that. I would imagine Reynolds would probably cost a little bit more, but then again, it is the pirates. So who the hell knows? Uh, <laughs> who knows what the pirates are ever doing for the record. I would go story as well. And then I would go Brian Reynolds just because center field is a premium position and he has, I think like four or five years left. So it's, oh, see now I wasn't taking that into account. I don't know how much Cattell Marte has That's left on his too. deal for the record, but I, you know, premium position and a bunch of years, I would lean Reynolds, even though That's it probably five years, would cost five years more. of control is a huge, um, definitely a huge bonus. I mean, think of what the Nats gave up for Adam Eaton. No, I don't want to Reynolds. Think of that, <laughs> Reynolds is probably because I don't think Adam Eaton had an All Star appearance. All right. At the time Could, of his trade. So Reynolds will probably be a little bit more. But again, Marte like I said, won't be a Pirates. free agent till 2025. So he's got what, he's got a bit three of years left to let's see what I'm with Brian Reynolds. I can't remember if it was five at the time and now it's four for if it was five after the deadline, but Reynolds would have more. Brian Reynolds, yeah, I'm looking right now. He's got 2026. So he's got one more year. One more of control. year. So there you go. I would go for Reynolds. But uh, next one, these are two pitchers that we could see the Nats uh, in conversation for John Gray or Anthony DiScalfani. Huh. 
what are their contract situations? Are they both? They are both free, free agents. Both um, free agents. Okay. No I'm qualifying going, offer on either. I'm going John Gray. Uh, Dieselfani is fine, but he really benefited from being in a very pitcher friendly ballpark. Nats Park is not nearly as pitcher friendly. Uh, John Gray. And John Gray was not in a pitcher friendly ballpark. No, very much not. All that well. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I always find it hard to evaluate pitchers, actually hitters, any, anybody really, because the course effect I think is overrated. You know, people talk about it as if it's it's more impactful than it is. But I think for pitchers, it really does keep their numbers kind of uh, down from where they would be if they were in a more hitter friendly or, or pitcher friendly ballpark. Right. So, yeah, I think I would go John Gray on this as well. I'm going to agree with Ryan this time. Yeah, I would go John Gray just because there's been somewhat more consistency. Like he, he's pretty much has been the same guy every year at Coors, whereas to Scalfani, he's had horrible years and he had a great year last year. So it's like, has he turned a corner or did he benefit from the park? Like Ryan said, and just kind of had a great year and he's going to set to cash in. So I would go John Gray because we can't afford any, you know, more terrible pitchers. Granted, they most might be terrible. Who knows? Uh, let's go a step up and uh, try to get a more sure thing for pitchers. Both these pitchers have. Oh wait, no, I, no, I, I completely. Oh no, no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, I'm smart. Um, both these pitchers do not have qualifying offers because they both accepted the qualifying offer last year. Would you rather Kevin Gosman or Marcus Stroman? Keep in mind mm. the contracts they would command. Stroman, easy. Stroman, yeah, that's an easy one. Gosman's an outlier who's going to regress heavily. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i get, given my pitch for Marcus Stroman a couple times. I wrote an article about it. I would absolutely love Marcus Plus Stroman. Plus he's going to be Josiah Grace BFF when he gets right. here. And so. I, I, you know... I would be very, very apprehensive about giving more significant money to a starting pitcher, but Marcus Stroman, like he's. If you can get Stroman, you need to, you need to pony up the money and do what you got to do. Cause I think he's solid. He's, he's how old is Stroman now? Is he 28? I think eight. He was in his twenties, but uh, yeah. yeah. Which makes him a baby on our. You know, well, we've got some, you know, we don't have any good young pitchers. We've got some young pitchers who are questionable. We don't really have any good yeah, young, young pitchers, pitchers that, that need, to get, need to develop. But yeah, I would, I would love Stroman, uh, Gosman, even, excuse me, even after his, a couple of great years with uh, San Fran, uh, I still think Orioles when I think him and I just want no part of it. So <laughs> I'm going Marcus Stroman last one. All right. And you know, I had to make it tough. And Amanda, I know you're gonna what you're gonna answer, but Ryan, I'm curious to see what you're gonna answer. All right. This is just straight up. Okay. And you have to keep in mind their contract status. Would you rather Ronald Acuna or Juan Soto? I want Juan Soto. That's a no-brainer to me. Acuna. I thought I thought you might go Acuna. I knew he even would. coming off injury. Acuna's a tr- even come out. Well, yeah, it's an ACL. Who cares about that? That's nothing nowadays. <laughs> Nobody needs an ACL. It's a fake ligament. <laughs> you have no, another like one. That's... What are you so concerned about? <laughs> no, like tearing your ACL is like getting the cold. Like that's so common now. But no, um, Acuna is a true five tool player. Also, is a really team friendly deal. Extremely team friendly. Oh, that's, you know, that's, there is that if you're talking contract status. Well, that's why, that's why I put it in there because, you know, yeah. If, you know, you just say, like, who would you rather, 
almost every Nats fan is going to say Juan Soto, but you have to consider contract status. He's under contract for what, like seven more years? Is it seven? Let me look up his. It might be six because I know he signed an eight-year, like a hundred million dollar extension or something absurd like that. Let's see, he's a free agent in twenty twenty nine. God, so it is seven more years. Yeah. And Soto has he signed three. eight year, a hundred million. How in God's name did Some they get voodoo him to sign magic. that contract? I mean, God. if you want to really get angry, look at the Albies deal. It was like six years, twenty four million. It's just not cool. It's not cool. And like I mean, I, it would be- to go down a separate conversation, I get why they would do it because you know, coming from the the DR or wherever um, you know these international players came from, like that's obviously a lot. That's life changing. It's life changing money no matter where you came from, pretty much. But you know, for them, it's like oh, they can cash in and not have to worry about anything else, even though it's a true fraction of what they would make if they just went through the process, but I get it. It just feels and he's gonna, like a he's manipulation gonna come of the up market. Again. It does. And he's also going to, I mean, he'll be 30 when he gets to get his next, right, which is why so. he, he did. I don't know who his agency is. I don't think it was Boris. It feels like Boris would never do a that. legacy agency. Yeah. So yeah, not Boris, which is why it happened. So, I mean, are you sticking with Juan Soto? That is so tough. I will say, say it. I would rather <laughs> have it. Juan Soto as a player. Say it. I would, ah, damn it, Acuna. All right, fine. If it's con, <laughs> yeah, looking at hundred million dollars for seven, the next seven years. I mean, you can't. You're gonna pay a half a billion dollars for Juan Soto, and I love the man, and I play yeah, you know, just as a player, I would rather have Soto. But you know, when you can think about what else you can put around a player like Acuna, given the given how inexpensive his contract is then as much as it pains me i have to say excellent (laughs) you did that to me on purpose (laughs) well that does it for would you rather i just want to do something fun get the you know brain juices flowing and see what you guys uh thought about some of these players and and potential fits on the nets but that does it for this episode we're going to end the way we always do and do our one big thing uh what do you guys got I'm not allowed to talk about the caps, right? That's the rule. You can since I was there yesterday. Oh, I'll fair enough. It. So, um, and it's I, off season. I, Who cares? I know, right? Well, um, I just want to say that 36 year old Alex Ovechkin is a god among men and is off to the best start of his career. And if you look at all of the stats for the NHL right now, he's in the top five for points and assists and goals with all the young, all the young studs like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And he's awesome. And I love him. And that's my one big thing. Uh, as long as we're talking about other Washington sports, uh, the Washington football team defense mm-hmm. is better without Chase Young. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, <laughs> the evidence does not lie. The evidence does not lie. That was a hell of a win against Tom Brady and the Bucks. That was fun. I was not expecting that. No. Ryan, what do you got? I got nothing. Hopefully we get some players signing soon. Yeah. I God, I hope so. Yeah. There's not much to talk about until, I, I, but in a couple of weeks when the CBA expires, there's not going to be anything to talk about. With and for sense. all of you who like hated when we would go on wild tangents about fruit or aquarium or fin updates, you know, way back when. Gird your loins. Ju- it's just wait. Again. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. We're going to have nothing. I am, you know, 
I only have so much would you rather. <laughs> like I, we, we're gonna have to, you know, expand. We could just our become a we could just become a DC sports podcast for a while. Well, I don't want to be any more miserable than I already am. So it's <laughs> probably, true that true probably that. not, but we'll see. <laughs> um, just to do a quick self plug, I uh, am raffling off a Nationals World Series glove. Uh, if you go to OPT, a uh, friend of the show, um, at One Pursuit Takes, there's raffle spots. It's $15 a spot. It's a sick glove. I have two of them. So I'm just, I wanted to go to a Nats fan. So I wanted to raffle it off as opposed to like selling it on eBay or something. So if you're interested, go check it out. Uh, that's just a quick self plug. But speaking of plugs, go check out the uh, Half Street High Heat store on T Public. Uh, a lot of great merch. Uh, we ordered a ton of stuff for the team. It all came out great, but even if it doesn't, if it comes messed up or crooked or, you know, whatever, they replace it for free. So there's like, you you don't have to worry. And that's something we haven't really emphasized on here. Like I get, you know, buying from a, a, a site or a store that you're not as familiar with, or, you know, isn't a large established chain or anything like that may be a little, uh, you know, give you some, some, uh, pause or whatever, but, there is like a satisfaction guarantee thing with T public, which is why we partner with them. It's awesome. Um, so be sure to check that out and you can even choose what kind of shirt it's printed on. It doesn't have to be the, you know, the generic t-shirt. If you want something softer, if you want long sleeve, if you want a hoodie, like go check it out. There's a ton of great designs and a ton of great material to get it printed on. I actually just ordered a, well, they call it a tapestry, but it's kind of like a flag. Uh, it's going to be my background anytime we do video calls. So that's, uh, that's what I dig just it. Yeah. And Christmas is coming up. It's the perfect this is time true. to buy all your loved ones, half street high heat gear. Um, I just bought a bunch of stuff actually for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, be sure to check out the site, uh, the T public site and just search half street high heat or the link is in our bio at half street high heat on Twitter street with ST. Um, but that's all we got Thursday. We will have another trivia episode of the half street hot seat. Ryan will be defending his crown, the undefeated Ryan. My apologies, Ryan. I don't mean to uh, undersell you the undefeated Ryan at we are all shack will be taking on Allison for her podcast debut at Juan Soto home run home run with the HR uh, Harvard educated uh, Ryan going into Thursday. This is going to be the last time we talk to you before the show uh before the match excuse me uh do you have any you know pre-game jitters or are, are you feeling confident heading into thursday um i'm feeling good you know it's it's gonna be fun trivia is great i did the same thing i did last time and uh not prepare so just wipe the floor with her and, absolutely uh, set fem- feminism back 100 years absolutely that's the mission <laughs> So be sure to check out the Half Street Hot Seat on Thursday. Uh, But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. Like I said, Half Street High Heat, uh, Street with ST. Ryan at We Are All Shack and Amanda at A White 7877. And myself, if you so please, at Nationals Ace. We appreciate listening. Be sure to check us out on Thursday for the Half Street Hot Seat. Uh, But we will be back next week, Sunday or Monday, you know, depending on how the offseason goes uh, with Half Street High Heat as regularly scheduled. Uh, talk to you guys later. In the meantime, uh, let's go off-season signings. Let's go something happening. Something happening. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go. Yeah.
the early light of dawn Well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.